As the gig economy grows, that growth necessitates innovations in the online infrastructure powering these new labor markets. In our previous episodes about Uber, we explored the systems that balance server load and gather geospatial data. In our coverage of Lyft, we studied Envoy, the service proxy that standardizes communications and load balancing among services. In shows about Airbnb, we talked about the data engineering pipeline that powers economic calculations, user studies, and everything else that requires a MapReduce. In today's episode, we explore the business and engineering behind another online labor platform, Fiverr. Fiverr is a marketplace for digital services. On Fiverr, I have purchased podcast editing, logo creation, music lyrics, videos, and sales leads. I've found people who will work for cheap and quickly finish a job to my exact specification. I've discovered visual artists who worked with me to craft a music video for a song that I wrote. Workers on Fiverr post gigs, jobs that they can perform. Most of the workers on Fiverr specialize in knowledge work, like proofreading or gathering sales leads. The workers are all over the world. I've worked with people from Germany, the Philippines, and Africa through Fiverr. Fiverr has become the leader in digital freelancing. The staggering growth of Fiverr's marketplace has put the company in a position similar to an early Amazon. There's room for strategic expansion, but there's also an urgency to improve the infrastructure and secure the market lead that Fiverr has established. Gil Scheinfeld is the CTO at Fiverr, and he joins the show to explain how the teams at Fiverr are organized to fulfill the two goals of strategic, creative growth, and continuous improvement to the platform. One engineering topic that we discussed at length was event sourcing. Event sourcing is a pattern for modeling each change to your application as an event. Each event is placed on a PubSub messaging queue and made available to the different systems within your company. Event sourcing creates a centralized place to listen to all of the changes that are occurring within your company. For example, you might be working on a service that allows a customer to make a payment to a worker. The payment becomes an event. Several different systems might want to listen for that event. Fiverr needs to call out to a credit card processing system. Fiverr also needs to send an email to the worker and let them know that they have been paid. Fiverr also needs to update internal accounting records. Event sourcing is useful because the creator of the event is decoupled from all of the downstream consumers. As the platform engineering team works to build out event sourcing, communications between different service owners will become more efficient. Zooming out of the technical depth, we also explored engineering management and the lessons that Gil learned working at Amazon's A9 division and several successful startups that he was at prior to joining Fiverr. This was a great episode about what it's like to run engineering within a rapidly scaling company. Shout out to today's Software Engineering Daily featured open source contributor, Nelly Chebois. She is working on an open source Software Engineering Daily app for Xamarin, which is a great complement to the Software Engineering Daily apps for iOS and Android that we have already built. In the other podcast players like Overcast or the iTunes podcast player, you can only access the most recent 100 episodes of Software Engineering Daily. So these Software Engineering Daily apps have our entire back catalog, it's categorized, we've got a search engine, and they're open sourced at github.com slash softwareengineeringdaily. If you're a power listener to Software Engineering Daily, you might like the iOS and Android apps, or now the Xamarin app, thanks to Nelly. Now let's get on with this episode. Gil Scheinfeld is the CTO at Fiverr. Gil, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Hi, Jeff. It's uh, great to be here. Well, it's great to have you because I am a power user of Fiverr. I love it. Fiverr is a marketplace where people get work done. And I've gotten podcast episodes edited. I've had explainer videos made for me. I even found someone who sang lyrics on a song that I wrote. And all of this was pretty cheap. And it was really fun. Describe the vision for Fiverr. Yes. So when you look on the work marketplace, by 2020, 
43% of Americans are going to be freelancers. And today, only 3% of those uh, freelancers getting the work online. Most of them, the other 97%, getting the work from uh, word of uh, mouth. And what Fiverr's uh, mission is to see how we change that and allow those uh, freelancers to get work where they'll spend their time on actually performing the skill that they're uh, good at and will not spend the time on chasing uh, customers, marketing themselves, negotiating a contract, chasing uh, unpaid uh, fees, and so on. What we've done in Fiverr in order to change the, um, the legacy model of uh, uh, freelancing, which is mainly a labor uh, marketplace where people pay by uh, units of time, whether it's by the hour or, or by the day, or pay projects, we encapsulated a service, a creative service, a digital service in what we called a gig. And that gig represents a product, which we called a service as a product, SAP. And <laughs> our freelancers create those gigs and say, what are they going to do? What's the skill they're going to perform? How much they're going to charge? How long it's going to take? What other extras or other features are available to order as part of uh, their gig? And those gigs are presented uh, at the Fiverr marketplace as product. At the base of it, Fiverr is a catalog uh, company. So buyers of digital services come to the Fiverr marketplace and they order a product. That product is actually a digital service. And they select the options that they want on that gig and they get upfront how much it's going to cost them, when it's going to get delivered, and they can do click to buy and, and have that service performed and delivered to them. And that's quite different than the other freelancing uh, landscape outs outside of uh, Fiverr. And that model and approach uh, allows Fiverr to be a low-touch, high-volume marketplace for the digital services. My interaction with Fiverr versus the other freelancing marketplaces that I've interacted with has been that the UI and the software design choices have led to a simplified interface, and it's much more pleasant to interact with than some of the other interfaces, the marketplace interfaces. And I would say that's that's incredibly important because you have so many different people who are on the platform uh, looking for work, and then you have so many people on the other side of the marketplace. You've got a very busy and complicated two-sided marketplace simplifying the interface as much as possible to resolve the confusion between those two sides of the marketplace, that's no easy task. Maybe we can start there. What are some of the design choices? Because, you know, we've had these freelancing marketplaces for a while. What are the design choices that has led to Fiverr being such a popular marketplace? Yes. So when we started the uh, Fiverr, it was all about what are you willing to do for uh, $5? A really uh, simple question. And simplicity was always uh, a key tenant for us and still is. Today, it's how at minimum selections and without complicated choices, one can do click to buy to order a digital service. And in cases where a service is more complex, we actually put upfront the key questions, whether a buyer needs to send a brief before they get the service as part of their order or a gig, creating a set of toolbars and lists that are really simplified and clear so they'll do the selection and they'll understand what they're getting. So it's really important for us that it will be clear to the seller what the obligations that he'll be obliged to as part of delivering the service and for the buyer, what they're actually going to get. For example, 
how many revisions. It's really important to, to, for a seller to know that he's now obliged to provide, to do two or three revisions or four revisions, but if you don't have it upfront and clear, you might have a disconnect where a buyer expects to have as many revisions until he believes the, the service is perfect. And a seller says, well, I actually only going to do so really revisions. So mm-hmm. putting things up front, we believe in minimal, minimalistic UI, not overcomplicating things, and have it at unit of a gig that presents the um, service as a product. Mm-hmm. I go on Fiverr, I say in the search box, I'm looking for podcast editing, and I see somebody that offers that service, I click on it, I arrange with that seller how many revisions I'm willing to uh, to go through, or how many revisions they're willing to go through. I settle on the price. I settle on any sort of extras. Maybe I am going to get a transcript along with my podcast editing, and I get it all done. And it's it's very simple. And I think at this point we've we've described the high level product offering for people who are unfamiliar with it. You could also go on and get Photoshop done or get your photos edited or get sales leads generated, all kinds of interesting tasks. It's really fun and creative environment. But this is Software Engineering Daily. We should talk about the software engineering. Give a high-level perspective for the technology stack of Fiverr, and then we'll dive into some of the individual components. Cool. When Fiverr started, it was built on top of uh, Ruby and Rails uh, monolith. And today we are at the version four of our architecture. The key principles that we have as part of our architecture and platform, one is microservices. We broke the monolith to a set of microservices, allowing each one of the Fiverr development teams to work independently and at high cadence feature delivery. Second, CQRS command query responsibility segregation, allowing to get high responsive website, differentiating the reads from the writes. We also have separation between the front end and the back end, allowing logic to be written quickly and front end to be modified and uh, developed independently from the back end. And the last elements that we're adding now as part of the V4 of the architecture is event sourcing, uh, moving from database to event sourcing architecture, allowing us handling larger number of events and moving away from a predefined set of databases. We have still some leftovers from the legacy monoliths, Ruby on Rails. We're leveraging Ruby, Go and uh, Node.js for the backend services, React and uh, JavaScript for the front end uh, stack. We've done a bunch of shows about event-driven architecture in recent memory, and I would love to talk about that for a bit with you. So my understanding of the motivation for an event-driven architecture is you often have events that occur across your software that multiple data models want to update in response to. For example, if a buyer buys something and they purchase it for $15, you have a transaction for $15, and you want to be able to easily update multiple different databases. Maybe you have a search index over past purchases of a user. Maybe you have an analytics database of all of the transaction values over time so that you can quickly and easily aggregate revenue. Maybe you have another database. And the event sourcing model, one thing that makes it really useful is you log that event, the we have per, you know there's been a purchase for $15, you log it on this immutable queue of events and that queue is a pub sub system where that $15 transaction has been published to the queue and you can have event handlers 
that read from that queue and update each individual database. And this is useful because it decouples the event creation process from the responses to that event. And whoever wants to subscribe to particular events throughout the infrastructure can do that. And then the contract is they just publish their events back to the queue. Am I describing event sourcing accurately? Yes, you are. Pretty, pretty accurate. Uh, means that you've done your homework and, and uh, have probably sessions with uh, people who are experts at event sourcing. For us, the addition element to what you have uh, described is reducing the dependency on centralized database. When you look at Fiverr as a marketplace, we have a common set of users. We have a catalog which is built from what we call the gig. So we have a large catalog of, of gigs and we have thousands of new gigs created every day. And we have orders where those users actually buy a gig and each order has a buyer and uh, a seller. And as we grow, as we grew, the Fiverr centralized database became more uh, congested. And we have many services that needs access to those areas in the database and also need to augment it with information. And those uh, services are sometimes independent to one another and we want them to be independent. We don't want to have dependency. So by moving to event sourcing architecture, each one of those uh, services can create a view of its own on those data streams, can augment them and send them to other services and can leverage the data uh, for that service uh, specific role. As example, user provide a rating after an order has been completing. That uh, rating is relevant uh, for the order, it's relevant for the user who rated it, for the user who created a gig who got rated, and we have several services that use that rating either to promote uh, gigs on uh, search or to show that uh, to the user or perform analytics. And each one looks slightly different on that information. And before we moved to event sourcing, all the services actually went to the same database to pull the information, created congestions, which required us to create specific databases or additional databases just to handle those specifics with a lot of dependencies every time we augmented or, or added information. With event sourcing, we can do that in a loosely coupled and allow each one of the team to move at fast cadence of feature delivery to the marketplace. When you're breaking up a centralized database or a few centralized databases into into more event-driven, decoupled architecture, I imagine there are a number of different teams that have to do some refactoring to set up their own domain-specific event sourcing side of things. Do you have a pattern that each team or each uh, database is doing to go through that refactoring, or is it fairly ad hoc from service to service? We're at the stage where we're still defining and refining our processes. The way that we organized our teams are, is based on what we called customer journey. We have group that handles sellers, group that handles buyers, group that handles content, which is mostly algorithmics and uh, search recommendations. We have group that handles mobile and group that handles each one of the specific verticals. Those groups contains two to three uh, feature development team, small teams with product manager, development lead, two, three, four engineers and designer and, and analyst. 
And on parallel to them, we have a platform team that handles the infrastructures, the API, the communication layers, and the foundation of the marketplace. So at the current stage that we are, we're involving the platform team, making sure that they are aligned on the change that we want to do, and then they guide the different uh, feature teams as they create a new data view or create a a new event to our event uh, uh, sourcing. You also mentioned CQRS, which is Command Query Responsibility Segregation. And this is the idea of having different patterns that your reads go through to access data than the writes. Explain why CQRS is relevant to Fiverr's engineering infrastructure. CQRS allows uh, the separation of reads from the writes. So let's say there's a change in the marketplace, and that change requires several actions to happen. That right, these writes are happening asynchronous to the reads that waiting. So there's no pending of front-end or UI that's waiting for the backend services. The way that we implemented CQRS, we created a model that we call the Chimera. Chimera is a two-headed beast uh, from the mythological, from the Greek uh, mythology. And we have one head that we call the service that's actually pulling the data from the database or the data view and sending it as fast as possible to the front end. And we have what we call the worker will then perform a task and logic and will write the data back either to the event sourcing uh, queue or to a database. So to answer your question in general, uh, it allows Fiverr to be a site that is very responsive and quick and that is not pending on backend processes and activities. In recent episodes, we've evaluated some different options for large-scale queuing. There's Kafka, there's Google Cloud PubSub, there's Amazon Kinesis. What are you using at Fiverr? We're using Kafka. We evaluated several options. At uh, the end, we decided to go with Kafka. We thought that it's the most uh, mature for our needs. Uh, We're using Kinesis for uh, some other data uh, queuing and handling for the areas where Kinesis and having a managed uh, service is more uh, applicable uh, to us. Mm. The ability to control the space the ability to replay events and have that on a distributed service that we know that can scale with no performance uh, limitation. And the fact that uh, Kafka has been adopted by large portions of the software development uh, community help us to take that decision and go with Kafka. What are the use cases where you chose to use Kinesis? We use Kinesis for our data event pipelines that we send to our data lake for uh, offline data processing, business analysis, business insights. So that's, I would say, the data pipelines that take events outside of the platform, put them into a data lake that is used only for research and data reporting and analysis. So it's outside of the ongoing function of the platform. While we use Kafka for those events that are every action and activity events within the Fiverr marketplace. Mm. Is, is Is the choice there based on you want to use Kafka for the more business-critical stuff because it's more widely adopted and you feel it's more tested? 
it was it was clear to us that going uh, with the event sourcing route is a journey. Mm-hmm. It's an area where the industry still adapt and and changes, and and Kafka is is being uh, uh, evolved. And we felt that with Kinesis we have a good solution for what we need for our event pipeline, uh, for right. for the data. Uh, event pipelines that uh, help us to uh, reduce and have uh, low maintenance and low operations, having a managed service from uh, AWS. But for the core event sourcing and activity within the marketplace and the platform, we believe that overall Kafka uh, is the right selection and that the different options of replaying events at scale by any service or team to their needs is more applicable uh, for that use. Right. And the there's an entire company that has raised almost like $100 million, I think, to build Kafka infrastructure, Kafka connectors, the Kafka Streams API, and those things might change over time and they're going to update them aggressively they're going to be at the at the leading edge of the creating the best interfaces for event sourcing or CQRS because Kafka is at the center of that or well your your queuing system is at the center of that whatever it is and as great as kinesis is you want to go with the the giant open source community uh, project where you know you've just got so many people who have a vested interest in keeping Kafka up to date for that mission critical uh, event sourcing system. But let's use that as a jumping off point into the discussion of managed services that you do use. How uh, how unified is your choice of cloud service providers? Are you mostly on AWS? Yeah. We're now running on uh, AWS all of uh, the platform services uh, today. We shifted to AWS late last year from uh, other cloud slash infrastructure uh, provider. And uh, not to do promotion here for uh, AWS, we're we're very happy with our uh, selection and it helped us to have higher stability and better performance uh, across the board uh, for our needs. We use uh, Google BigQuery outside of the platform as a data lake where we felt it's a good solution and a good platform for our data analysis needs. How hard is it to have a cross-platform you know, where you touch other services? Because I've actually heard that from a couple other people where they say, yeah, the only service that we use that is non-Amazon is BigQuery. Is it tricky to get AWS and BigQuery to play nice together? We have, we didn't have uh, issues with AWS and uh, BigQuery. The we, we actually export events, which we call row uh, events, to external externally and important into BigQuery. And that uh, works uh, well for us. We're also saving them on uh, S3 and using uh, Spark and using uh, Databricks on top of those uh, for some other data analysis, uh, more on on the data science uh, side for our needs. So we have a set of options that we optimize based on, I would say, ease, based on uh, purpose and also based on price. So there's different pricing model between BigQuery and Databricks, for example, and for some activities we'll use Databricks and some activities BigQuery is actually a better selection. Yeah, the build versus buy question seems pretty interesting here because I could see, you know, Fiverr is a marketplace business. You know, you probably want to try to keep costs down where you can. It's not like a 
super high i mean i don't know what the margins are are like but it seems like the type of company where you do want to actually evaluate your build versus buy a little bit more closely than some company like facebook or google or something where they're just selling advertising uh and that's a you know quite a high margin business you're you're in kind of a, a bit of a different business how do you look at those build versus buy decisions so at, at the core of the company, we're, as you said, a marketplace uh, company. And as such, we focus our development and product team on what we believe is core. And the core are those uh, modeling of freelancing services, creative services as products and exposing them in a such way that will allow our freelancers and the buyer of services to have a great experience. For example, communication. So the communication there, our own messenger, is a component that uh, we build and we keep inside. We will not outsource it or we will not use a third-party tool for it because uh, the element of pricing and clear communication, sharing those digital services or working together on them are really key part of the Fiverr experience. Another example, search. Search on digital services marketplace is actually a very complex and, and very interesting uh, area. Just an example to the uh, complexity, when you order on Amazon a product, whether one person order it or a thousand people order it, it's still the same product. And you get, you're going to get the same product assuming that it's available on the Amazon data warehouse, on the Amazon uh, uh, warehouse. While if you have a digital service provider, which is a freelancer, if he's providing a service one time or five times or 20 times, the service might change. So our search algorithm needs to take into account how occupied or how busy each one of our freelancers and also look into what quality of service each or one of them provides based on how busy they are. Mm. So those are examples for services and technologies that we build in-house and we invest in. Infrastructure services that are, are open source or available outside that are not core to the experience, we will not uh, spend a time on, on building this in-house. And, and we'll use the ones that are already available as, as open source or even paid, assuming that uh, they justify the cost. That search engine where you have to update it to list if a freelancer is busy, so maybe you need to mark a freelancer as busy so that they don't show up in search results, which is more dynamic than ordering couches and you know, okay, Amazon has a stock of 500 couches, and I suppose if they ran out of that specific type of couch, or if they ran out of all couches, they would have a similar problem, but this is a regular occurrence within Fiverr. So when you have that search problem, can you just alter Elasticsearch or uh, Solar or something to be able to do that for you, or do you have to build a search engine entirely from scratch? We, we didn't build a search engine entirely from scratch, but we're leveraging Solar and Elastic and using them in a way that is slightly different than other companies. So our search results leverage large amount of uh, features uh, beyond relevancy in order to have better performing ranking. As an example, we find out that when a seller is available, is actually online, there is more likelihood 
to have a great experience of buying and selling. So one of, I would call it boosts that our search algorithm gives is floating up with, with some uh, volume those sellers who are available online in a way that the overall experience of both buyer and seller is actually better. So that's an example for one feature that our search engine looks at as we do the ranking of available gigs for search that is different than, for example, uh, on Amazon. At Fiverr, you have the two pizza team model where these different teams have some number of back-end and front-end and design and project management, and you have a roughly standardized model of the different characters that are in a given team, and those different teams are managing their own services. I imagine you have a somewhat standardized model for deployment and service maintenance And I'd like to talk about that. Uh, Let's start with the deployable unit. I'm assuming you're you're deploying in containers of some kind. Maybe you could talk about the container orchestration and deployment process that you have for each service. Sure. So we've started working with Docker about six months ago. And we're now in the phase of actually containerizing our architecture and platform, and we're adopting Kubernetes for container orchestration. Prior to that, we, we have a set of services, and the, the unit of deployment was a service or independent components that we wrapped as components that are available to deploy. We don't, although we have a centralized integration system, we use a circle CI and deployment uh, system. The way that we built our culture is that each team is empowered to push their own services and code to uh, production. We don't stop them and uh, they are responsible, each one of those uh, teams responsible for the quality and for the uh, performance of uh, their services. So they will test them before they deploy them. They deploy them and monitor closely that they didn't make any negative impact. They will also monitor the business aspects of that relevant uh, to the service that they uh, deploy. And in cases uh, things uh, go wrong, they'll uh, roll them back up In general, we believe in team independence and team empowerment. Each one of our our teams coincides from a development lead and a product manager. And the way that we work is rather than telling each one of the teams what to do, those teams act each one as a small startup where they come to us and tell, when I say us, it's, it's the executive team, and they tell us those are the initiatives and the projects that we want to work on for the coming quarter. And on each one of those uh, projects, when they're about to go into execution, they'll come and lay down the, the plan and the details on what they're going to build and how they're going to build and we act as a board, giving them a clear direction and strategy and providing uh, feedback and guidance. But rather than have a model where a small team of executives tell the details to a larger organizations, we have each one of the teams coming to us and tell us what they want to do and how they want to do And we believe that that allows us to scale faster and have distribution of the brain power and ideation power rather than small team, a large number of teams actually driving the company. 
So in a way, it's an upside model of executive team telling what the company to do is executive team guiding a large set of portfolio companies. Those teams, by the way, we call them task forces. So each one of the five task forces tell us what, what they think is the best thing to do. And we provide them guidance. And, and that works really well for us. Each one of those task forces are tasked with making impact. The language in the company, the conversation is about how a team and then how each one of the team members, how a group of teams can actually make larger impact. Do you have a platform engineering team like they do at Netflix has a platform engineering team where they build services and APIs and tools that are useful across the different teams within the company? Yes, we do. So the feature teams or those task forces are busy on making impact, which is mainly business impact, product and features impact. The platform team is being freed from that, and their goal is to enable those features team to have higher cadence by providing to them better platform, better tools, clearer APIs. We have a portion of our platform team that focus on improving the performance overall, so having some more holistic uh, view. We also have a DevOps uh, team that in charge on building the tools for the development team and for uh, running the software on production. With the freedom and responsibility model, you have these different teams and they're looking at their own business metrics. They're looking at what they can improve. They have certain KPIs or some other kind of metric or deliverable that they're going for. And that gets you a system of constant decentralized improvement. Is there also a top-down goal setting or vision setting or mission setting that helps the company grow in you know significant leaps and bounds rather than the incremental improvement? And I should say that just getting constant incremental improvement on a platform as useful as Fiverr is really high upside, but I know that the company releases new features and new platforms like Fiverr Pro, which is a professional marketplace, the high end of Fiverr, in contrast to the starting with the $5, oh, these are the things I'm willing to do for $5, this is what I can buy for $5, you know, you've, you've now expanded into the high end, uh, so there is a culture of being able to experiment and have totally fresh ideas. Talk about how you have those both of those cultures in place, the consistent, constant improvement, paying attention to KPIs and metrics, gradual improvement, but also experimentation and doing completely new things. Yes. So first, in order to have the entire company and the entire production organization focus on, on towards the same goal, we have a top-line metric for the company. And a top-line metric is uh, the North Star, is that goal that everyone are looking at and, and measuring uh, what impact is about. Impact is about growing our top-line metric, and that top-line metric is one for the entire company. Why one? Because if there are multiples, you might not be able to take decisions. When there's one, if there are conflicts or differences, you always go with the options that increases the top-line metric. For Fiverr, that, that metric is happy buyers. So those buyers of digital services and came out from that experience satisfied and that will know that they'll come back again and buy again. So it's a growth metric that we put as the North Star of the company. 
within that, we have, when I look on the portfolio of initiatives and, and projects that are being run within the company, we have two key flavors. One flavor is the flavor that we call zero to one. And the second flavor is growth. As example to a, a growth feature, a growth activity is tweaking something in our search algorithm, running A-B test on that, and seeing that that change actually created more happy buyers than the other option or, or what was the, the, the control until uh, that. Or changing a place of a line or selection or changing the flow of a selection on, on specific page or a window and seeing that actually increases conversion, which will that means that increases the number of, of buyers on the platform. So we, we have those type of growth projects uh, running. And the other family is those uh, zero to one. And example of, of, of zero to one, and, and Fiverr Pro is a zero to one project that, that we have, is where it's clear to us that opening Fiverr to a new market segment will create more happy uh, buyers. And, and those uh, projects of, of zero to one uh, start small with our product team focus on, on taking a feature or a product, perfecting it to a way where the people, the customers who use it are happy with it and come back and use it again. So once we reach that point, this is why we call it zero to one. So once we reach that point of product market fit of a zero to one project where customers love it and they come back again to them and we actually have a validation for the value, value for our customers of a feature, then we go from the one to end and apply growth enhancements and high cadence uh, releases to have growth on, on that uh, feature. Fiverr is growing really fast, both as a business and as a company. I believe the company raised a lot of money recently, and I'm sure you're hiring like crazy. What's your mental framework for making good engineering decisions when there is a lot of change? It starts with talent. So we, we didn't invent it, but we're key advocates and followers of hiring very high talent into the company under the knowing that when you bring really smart people, highly motivated people, and you allow them to make an impact, they just love it and they all go behind it and, and uh, perform really, really well. The other uh, thing that uh, we're doing at Fiverr that actually help us with having good engineering decisions and, and good product decisions is we have uh, people that are very senior people that I call them executive individual contributor. So, for, for example, we have two architects in, in our engineering team. Uh, one is focused on overall software architecture. The other one focused more on the way we do uh, front end. And, and they are at the top of the level of, of the industry. And they focus not on managing people and not on execution, but on making sure that the decisions that we take are the best decisions. So they work with the team, they help and mentor the teams, they go outside to uh, conferences and interact with, with other companies in order to make sure that we always have the best knowledge on how to do things within the company. So the combination of top-line metric and impact on one hand, 
having a lot of empowerment to the teams to run at high cadence, bringing really strong talent within the company and having people who are at the top of the professional expertise, focusing on those expertise across the company, help us to have a highly efficient and a super impactful engineering and overall production organization. You and I talked offline about the other engineering roles you've had in the past, and you've had quite a wide variety of different roles, leadership, different types of engineering leadership. How does Fiverr compare to the other engineering roles that you've had in the past? Fiverr is a marketplace, and, and I was with Amazon.com as, as part of uh, A9.com subsidiary, uh, and we spoke about that. And I was the CTO of a mobile, a mobile advertising technology company that uh, was sold to uh, Singtel. Fiverr has those traits of Amazon, I would say, 15 years ago, even before I joined mm-hmm. Amazon where the company is still small enough that each person uh, within our engineering and production organization uh, makes an impact. And that creates a common sense of accomplishment and, and mission for every member of the team. And especially uh, for me, as as the person who heads the uh, Fiverr production organization. At Amazon, I was in charge on the advertising platform. And I was exposed to certain elements of the business. With Amobi, we sold software advertising platform to large companies. It was a B2B uh, business. Mm -hmm. Consumer business that growing fast and has the element of changing something in the world. And what we change with Fiverr is allowing people to work differently in a manner that that helps them or more suitable to them means being a freelancer, but freelancers that doesn't need to spend their time on, on things that are less exciting for them, like chasing customers or chasing uh, uh, getting paid, but focus on their service. Uh, adding that a sense of doing good to the ability of delivering great features, great products with complex engineering at scale and seeing the impact fairly immediately is, is a great uh, sense of uh, accomplishment. Gil, it's been great talking to you. I love Fiverr, and I'll be following the company closely. Thanks, Jeff. It has been a pleasure. I enjoyed it. Wow.